Let's start with Isaiah 42:13. Let me uh, just share with you something that I heard over the, uh, the internet, and it's, it's kind of concerning. But I like to to reassure you that between all this, remember we're talking about peace. And Pastor series uh, the last couple of weeks been about the Holy Spirit. Well, today you're gonna find out that peace is something that the Holy Spirit gives to you. And that remembering thing, remembering that peace is something else that the Holy Spirit is in charge of. So the Holy Spirit remembers and reminds you of the peace that he has given you already. So Isaiah 42, 13 says, The Lord shall, for, shall got forth like mighty man, and so on, continue on. But I'm just gonna, not going to take too much time on this verse, but what I want to say is that a very famous uh, prophet from the uh, Muslim faith, and the one that defend their faith, called the apologetic, apologetic, apologetic prophet. Well, something like that. Well, it's a teacher that defends the faith of the Muslim faith. Okay, so uh, he was teaching that uh, he took this verse and removed the Lord and put dot 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 and said, "Show God for like mighty man." And then started teaching that it re- that verse refers about this this special prophet that will come and be a mighty man, a man of war, and he will shout out loud, and he shall prevail against his enemy. And he said that Muhammad was a prophet that God talked about on Isaiah 42. Now, people find, follow other people blindly. But if you see the scripture, it says, the Lord shall come. So it's talking about the Lord. It's not talking about Muhammad or any, anybody for that matter. So, he intentionally removed the name of the Lord from that scripture and attributed Muhammad those characteristics that it's been described on Isaiah 42, 13. So, why am I saying this? Well, John 16, I'm going to read verse, verse 1 through 4. Jesus saying this, he says, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. So, all Jesus' instruction was about you keeping the faith, you keeping the track, and not being distracted by anything else, and making sure that you were on the right track to God. So verse 2 says, they will put you on a, out of the synagogue or other churches, right? They're going to put you out of churches. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are offering a service to God. Verse 3 says, they will do such thing because they had not known the Father or me, Jesus says. <laughs> so, I don't have any problem saying that these people don't know God, don't know Jesus. So, Allah and Yahweh, the God that we serve, is not the same. So, there's some movement out there that says, yeah, it's all the same God. No, it's not. Oh, so, Jesus says, they would do such thing because they have not known me or the Father. Jesus says that. So verse 4 says, I have told you this, so when their time comes, you will remember that I warn you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. Now, verse 
chapter 14 of John, verse 26 and 27 says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, here he comes, whom the Father will send in my name, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. See, that's one of the, the work of the Holy Spirit, remind you things. And Andrew, you're doing a wonderful job there translating. Thank you. Uh, the Holy Spirit will remind you of thing that Jesus says. Now, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you, I do not give it to you as the world gift. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So whatever it is, whatever the news are, Jesus already warned, you, warned us about that. And we're just to be prepared and be ready for it. Isaiah 26, 3, and this is the base of uh, uh, the keyboard of the lecture this morning. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are steadfast because they trust in you. I want you to remember that, that God will keep you in perfect peace if your thoughts are focused on him all the time. So I want to show you a picture of a very interesting morning. So here's a morning where you don't want to go out and do anything. Here it is. Can you see anything out there? I, I think it's like, this is too. Well, that, that's, that's the key point. That's the, that's the idea, is that you can't see anything. It's raining and it was snowing. The, the sky is, is overcast and it's freezing and you just can't see anything out there. And then you have to go and fly an airplane. That's, you don't want to do that in a day like that, right? So you woke up in the morning, a day out of your bed, and you look out your window and you see a day like this, you might want to stay in bed, right? Well, let me show you what happened if you decide to get off the bed, rely on the Lord, and do continue on your path and continue with your plan as you had before. Here's the same day when you take off and you fly through that. Above those clouds, about those snow, about those ice, about that every single drop of nasty weather that we have on the ground, there are blue skies on top. Very same day. Look at that picture. So when you decide to have that peace inside you, because the Holy Spirit is reminding you of the word that God said, you can experience that. And the whole perspective is changed in the matter of action. When you decide to go up and get closer to God and climb up, you'll see that instead of the rainy and that nasty weather that you had earlier. Now, peace is freedom of mind, is free of annoyance, distraction, anxiety, free of an obsession. It is serenity. So, an artist was asked one day to draw a picture about peace. And, well, as a matter of fact, it was a couple of art artists. And some of them painted like a, a beach, an ocean, and a 
river and flowers, a field of flowers. And this particular artist draw a storm. And when he was asked about why his picture was different from the others, so he explained to the audience that what happened is that you're seeing the storm and you're not seeing this bird over here in this corner singing in the storm. That is peace. When doesn't matter what you are experiencing in your life, when it matter what the storm is going through, the bird singing, and you can too, because the Holy Spirit has remind you that you can have peace, and that God will keep you in perfect peace when your thoughts and are focused on Him. Now, Joshua one eight. How do we do this? Joshua one eight explains to us how we can apply this. It says, "Keep the book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night." so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So how do we do this? How do we keep this book on the law in our lips? Well, we got to read it first. And we all lack of, I mean, we're, we'll fall short on that, okay? I, I confess, too. But when we do that, it says that you will be prosperous and successful and we had to be careful to do everything written in it so we can experience that peace. Because then it's not going to be our agenda. It's going to be his agenda. So whatever is being written there, because of God's will, if we follow that, we will experience the peace that he has promised to us. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's not because we are by ourselves, but there is a God, a relational God, that cares for us. And by the way, whenever you're reading the, the Old Testament, I have said this before, but when you see the word God in the Old Testament, it's talking about Elohim, the God creator, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything. Now, when it says Lord with capital L and then the rest of them are like, how you say Lowercase. How you say it? Lowercase, yeah. <laughs> Lord, that's Adonai. It's the master. It's our master, our Lord. But when you see L-O-R-D, Lord, all in capital letters, it's referring to Yahweh, to Jehovah. And that is a relational God. The only God, the only true God that cares about his creation. And that's you and me included. Isn't that give you peace? When you have a God that cares about you. So whenever you're reading out the Old Testament, just remember that. And you see L-O-R-D means there's something relational about it when it says that. And just go ahead and put it to test. And I'm pretty sure that will give you more peace. Uh, there's a prophet that says, Lord is good. He's a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. There is up in the wall, on the wall. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning at the end. He's the creator of the universe. He's the almighty God. Now, when we follow that, we can experience the fruit of the Spirit. Mentioned in Galatians 5, and 23, it said the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, forbearance. That means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Against such thing, there is no law. Wouldn't you mind to, wouldn't you like to experience those? But there's one way of doing it, and that is relying on him. Keep your mind steadfast on him, and he will give, he will keep you in perfect, perfect peace. There's a story in Luke 8, verse 22 and 25, but I just want to say this first and short phrase about it. It says, Jesus was telling their disciple to go over the other side of the lake. But there was a storm going on that developed when they were in the sea. But what it is really interesting about that sentence it is that Jesus says to his disciple, let us go to the other side. He did not command them to go and get into the storm by themselves and be left alone. He said, let us go to the other side. So when the storm develops in your life, guess who's with you? Jesus is right there with you. Because he said, let us go to the other side. And then when your mind remains focused on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. Now, Philippians, Filipenses 4, 6 al 9 dice, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And verse 7 says, And the peace of God. La paz de Dios. Peace. Which transcends all understanding. Surpasses all of this understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, this is this is the kind of peace that you start to worry about that you're not worrying about. It's like, should I be worried? No. That is the peace that God gives to you. So whenever you experience that in your life, that's exactly what God had intended for you, for us. It says. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those such things. Do you know somebody that meets all those requirements? That's Jesus. When you think about it, you think about Jesus. It says, verse 9, put those into practice, those thoughts, And the God of peace will be with you. God of peace will be with you. I, I practiced some exercise a couple years ago here. And I, I don't know if you remember. I told you to start counting. And we were about to count from one to a hundred. And I don't know if you were here. Remember that? That one, two, three. Start in your mind counting from one to a hundred. And then, after a couple of seconds, I told you to start praising the Lord. Said, said hallelujah. Say, gloria a Dios. Say, amen. God is good. And then I stopped, and I asked you, what number are you going through counting? Nobody could tell me what number they were counting. Because they forgot about counting, because they were focused on praising the Lord. That is exactly 
what I'm trying to convey here. Your thought, your mind, whatever you're thinking of will determine your circumstances. The, the numbers are forgotten, and you're thinking about God, and you experience that peace. So numbers are troubles. Numbers are difficulties. Numbers are anxieties. Numbers are depression. Something that you don't like, a hard time. Those can go away when we start praising the Lord and keep our mind focused on Him. Finally, I'd like to say something about, uh, like to share again a testimony about a live raft uh, train that we were years ago. We were in a swimming pool with a live raft that carried about 40 people, and you had to inflate your live vest and jump to the pool and then go into the live raft. And my wife is laughing over there, she remembered that. And you get into the raft. And then you have to, to do whatever the emergency drill is and, and put people in charge and give everybody something to do. And that is to keep their mind busy. Because when they're thinking about something, they forget about they're in the water and there's sharks around them. Now, <laughs> it is true. <laughs> it's been tested. <laughs> So what happened there is that this raft that they use for training, it has been used and abused and, and reused and more abused, and it has a couple of holes in there. <laughs> and the, the raft started deflating. And when it started deflating, everybody's here, and the raft collapsed like this. So that takes everybody down uh, into, into the water. Uh, Anyway, everybody's trying to get the raft straight up, you know, put it flat so it doesn't collapse again and take us under. So everybody spent a few minutes, including myself, trying to get this clause in the raft back into place because we need to be in the raft, right? We're, or we just got off a comfortable airplane and now we're on the raft. So all of a sudden, it crossed my mind. What are we doing struggling with this live raft that is taking us deep down to the water when we have live raft, I mean live vest, on us? Say, hey guys, we got live vest on. Let's jump out of the raft. So everybody went jumped out, and they were floating over the water, right? On top of water, of course. They, they didn't sink. What I'm trying to teach you here is, or get you into think is, what are you holding on to that is throwing you deep into the water? What is it that occupies your mind so much that you're thinking and you don't notice that you have a live vest on you? What is it that you don't realize that Christ had died for you his blood was shed for you, and you are saved. And the very same Jesus rose from the dead, and he is alive. And he said, the peace I give to you, my peace I will give to you, not like the world give it to you. My peace is different. And he offered to all of us, and that is available to us. That peace is, should be inside us. That is like a life best 
that would not allow us to go under the water. So my question is, what are you afraid of this morning? What is that might take your peace away? What is it that is occupying your mind so much that is not allowing you to enjoy the peace that God has promised you? And that through the Holy Spirit this morning, it reminding you this morning that he will keep you in perfect peace when your thoughts are steadfast in him. He said, trust in him because he's the rock eternal. It is lack of provision. Is that what it is? Are you afraid of being, not having enough provision? What are the provisions going to come from? It says Psalm, 1, uh, Psalm 23, 1, 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters and he freshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Notice that it says for his name's sake. It's not because of what you have done for your merit, for your work. It's because of his name's sake. That promise is true and it remains true forever and ever. What is it? To be alone? Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You know, sometimes the animal kingdom trusts the Lord more than we do. Andrew, can you show me a picture? Make sure I have proof. That chicken have a lot of faith. There's a Kentucky Fried Chicken right there, and he's just walking through it. He said, do I walk through the valley of death? I should fear no evil. I don't know what happened with the chicken after that. I just can take the picture. <laughs> just walking down the street like nothing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I had to do it. Sorry. <laughs> what is it about? It's a health issue. Well, Exodus 5, chapter 15, verse 26 says that the Lord, your God, he heals you. He is your healer. For I am the Lord. And look at this. It's that L-O-R-D in capital letters. That's Yehovah, Yahweh, Jehovah. The relational God, the one who cares for you, he'll heal you. And I'm relying on that promise this morning too. James 5.15 says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up and they will, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So what is it that you're afraid of this morning? Some economical situation that you can make the, the ends. You can think about how am I going to meet the ends? Every, every day just get worse and worse and worse. So Malachi 3.10 says this. It said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I know you have heard this thousands, thousands, thousands of times. There may be food in my house and they try me now on this or in this, says the Lord of hosts. If you do this, I will open the, for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you, such blessing that there will be no room enough to receive it. 
just keep it up there. I want to say something about, look at the Lord again. Look at the word Lord. That's the God who cares about you. And he knows that yeah, you're barely making the ends, that you barely have enough to pay your bills. But it says, if you bring the tithe of my offering here to my house, so there, if my house is being taken care of, I'll take care of you. I did that because the Lord says, try me now in this. I did that years ago. And I sat down and I got my bills, my income, and it didn't add up. And I tried a different math, and it came out with the same result. And it didn't matter how I put the paper upside down or sideways, whatever, the result was the same. And I went on my knees and I said, Lord, I can make it. This number does not match. I don't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to try you on, in this. I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to have faith in you. If your word is true, which I know it is, you will show me a way, and I will experience those blessings, and I will experience those, that, that, those things that you have promised for those who care about you, for those who trust in you. And you'll keep me in perfect peace, by the way. I can't tell you how it happened, because up to today, some things I can't explain. Other than that, God did it. Just simple as that. But food was always on the table. Bills were paid. How? God did it. Because math is real, right? Two by two is four. That doesn't equal five. But in God's kingdom, it does. And sometimes eight. He just does that. How he does it through other people. All we have to do is trust in him. And you might do it this week and nothing happened. And the next week, and nothing happened either. And the third week, you're going like, uh, am I going to keep trusting the Lord? I guarantee you. You need to speak up because you're not alone in this well family. And we'll take care of each other. And God will make it happen through his instruments. Well, however he's going to do it, he'll do it. But we got to put his, our faith in him. We got to have to trust him. Because there's, we're lacking of something. That I, that's, that if we're lacking of peace, it's because we're not trusting enough. Simple as that. He'll do it. He'll do it for you. You need direction. Psalm 19, 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. El lámpara es a mi camino tu palabra. Cuando uno lee la Biblia, él va a enseñar el camino que debemos de escoger. 119, 105. That's the only direction that we need. That's the math for our path. You need some place to call home. John 14, 1-6 says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Because my Father's house has many rooms. I like that version better. Is there room? Mansion. Okay, I'll take the mansion. <laughs> Who won't take a mansion over a room? Come on. 
In my father's house are many mansions. And if they were not so, I would have told you. And this is Jesus talking. I, I will go and prepare a place for you. Verse 3 says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back in again and I receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. <laughs> Isn't that nice? What a great promise. Continue on verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Verse 5 says, there's a guy called Thomas. <laughs> he said, hey, Lord, Master, we do not know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Can we relate sometimes to Thomas? Yeah, sometimes. I do. And I'm, I'm more like Peter, too. I have a combination of mouth and feet. Yeah. I do this, and then I think about it. Like, oops. But I also identify with John. I won't tell you that verse that where John said, like, send a thunder and fire. <laughs> verse 6 says, Jesus says to him, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Keep it up there, brother. And I'm finishing with this. Can you still play the video or not? No? It didn't work? Okay. This verse, do you have Reina Valera? That version, Reina Valera? RVR, 1960? If you do, fine. Just, just do that. No, if you don't mind, let's just let me take a second here. Explain for that. Jesús dijo, yo soy el camino, la verdad y la vida, y nadie viene al Padre sino a través de mí. That's what he says there. Now, I have a problem with preacher on TV saying that that verse means something else. That Jesus is just another way that he didn't mean to be exclusive. It's just another way getting to the Father. That's not what it says there. None other translation or version of the Bible say a different thing. They just want to be pleasing the culture. It says that he's the only way because it said no one comes to the Father except through me. And I don't have any problem saying that Jesus is the only way, is the only truth, and he's the only one who gives you life. Remember what it says on Isaiah 42.3. It says, the Lord will come as a man of war, as a warrior, and this enemy will not prevail against him. There's a group of people that live in the United States of America, the very same country that we lived in and we loved them, that think the opposite of that. The thing that their prophet is the one who will come and will kill everyone who does not believe the same thing that they do believe. Jesus says, let me tell you this. The time will come when they will put you out of churches there 
and they will kill you, and they will think that they are offering a service to me. But they are doing this, they will do this because they had not known the Father or me. They do not serve the same God that we do. Is that clear? That's what I think. If you want to think something else, that's fine. I'm just putting it out there. That's my belief, and I'll stick with it. I'll die for it because I will not change my thought, my belief. That's what the scripture says. Now that that's clear, you can stand with me and let's pray. Let me read another verse so you can be encouraged this morning. Because I didn't want to end up in the negative note. That's just a reality. We cannot go and hide ourselves or just pretend that nothing is happening. The stages, everything has been staged or is being staged as we speak. When we have teacher of first grade, kindergarten, teaching boys and girls that that does not exist. Boys and girls does not exist. And they can have a choice of be whatever they want to be. When they force that into our children, that's another sign that the time is near. That is wrong. And we were not to be accepting that. For God's sakes. For his name's sake. We need to get stand. We need to take our place as a people of God. And proclaim the truth. And don't let that go by unnoticed. Because the Holy Spirit will remind, remind us what Jesus said earlier. And he prophesied that this was about to happen. This was come to pass. So it's not surprised that this is happening now. Jesus says, like the day of Sodom and Gomorrah will be the days like when he will come back. And we'll see in just that. Just that. Isaiah 35, 3 and 6 says, Strengthen your feeble hands and steady the knees that give away. Another way, get strong. Say to those who have fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and recompense of God. He will come and save you. Those are good news. And I want the Holy Spirit to remind you that every single day of your life. For you to take courage. Verse 5 says, The eyes of the blind will be open, and the ears of the dead shall be unstopped. That is exactly the vision, the mission of this church to open people's eyes and to, people, uh, to open people's ears. How do we do that if we keep silence? How do we do that if we don't talk to anyone? How do we do that being out there? Not pleasing the culture, but being servant of God. Reminding ourselves that he'll keep us in peace and he will come back and he will save us. Taking courage and be faithful to of what I have called you to do. Verse 6 says this. Then the lame leap like a deer. And the tongue of the dumb will sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness, 
and streams in the desert. Meaning that matter what your circumstances are, you can still sing because God will keep you in perfect.